Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 300, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. Today's show is made possible by Ace High Graphics. We print custom t-shirts, hats, hoodies, bags, and more using a low-impact, heat-infused printing process you can trust. Get a quote today at acehighgraphics.com. The Practical Herbalist. Herbalism is easy when you take a practical approach. At The Practical Herbalist, we've got loads of researched, tried-and-true tips and techniques to make herbs part of your daily life. Learn more at thepracticalherbalist.com. Now, here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Hey, Patrick, can you believe we made it to 300? 300. Oh Isn't there a show God. movie you called 300? There probably <laughs> is. That's a lot of shows. It is a lot of shows. It spans quite a long time. I mean, you know, we don't even do 50 shows a year, so it's, it's longer than six years. Yeah. I remember when you first came up with the idea, Sue and I are both super resistant. I think it took you, what, three months to sell us on the idea? Yeah. I mean, at the time it was, yeah, because podcasts are just starting to, you know, I'd been listening to them for a few years, but they really hadn't caught like mainstream movement. Right. And then after uh, smartphones, things started to happen faster and faster. And before you know it, there was even more and more. And like now- you know, pick the topic and there's multiple podcasts on the oh, one yeah. topic. You yeah. Know, even, but back then, you know, I mean, that was a brilliant idea. And you were all like Mr. Comfortable talking in front of people and all of that. So you were like, oh, this is going to be no big deal. You guys will do great. And Sue and I are both like, what? No. You know, a small group of people, like maybe 10 on a plant walk is okay. But, you know, bigger than that. Mm. Which is really funny because it was just you two having a conversation. The only difference now, there was, there was microphones in front of you. Exactly. And that was a big difference. That's a third person in the room. It, it was really, I mean, now it's easy and it's comfortable and I really love it. But that we were both really resistant and it took a while for you to talk us into it. And then we were like, okay, well, we'll do it. And if it turns out awful, I mean, we could just do five of these and quit. And it actually, you know, we started to enjoy it. It was really fun. We both really enjoyed just sitting there and having a chat about herbs. Yeah, you guys took what you knew at the beginning and made it really easy with the herbs that you knew or were comfortable with, and we started talking about that. I mean, the first show was on strawberry, I believe, wasn't it? No, what? actually, our first show was on um, herbs for dental dental care. Oh yeah, but I remember strawberry being in that. Strawberry was yeah, it was it was mentioned in that. Yeah. Um, but like, I was looking back at some of our older shows, and the first one that we did like an actual show on this herb was elder elderberry and elderflower. Mm, okay. And then eventually we did, or shortly thereafter, we did some medicinal mushrooms with Elise Kolar. Oh, yeah. I always say her name wrong, even then. Right. And then we did a show on lavender. And then, believe it or not, the cannabis show was one of our early, earlier sessions. Yeah, you know, the first cannabis show. When you're creating the content, it's it just always seems so fresh in your mind. And then when you start yeah. looking back, uh, like, you know, in preparation for this show, you start looking back at the dates and you're like, oh my, that was six years ago? I know. That was seven years ago? Oh my right. God, really? Right. We've been doing this for that long? Well, and in my mind, like the first cannabis show, Dude, It's Legal, that one, that that that's like the show that's like so long ago, but we were doing podcast. We were old pros by the time we did that. Mm-hmm. And then I look back and I can't remember which show number it is, but it's like in the first 20. It's really early in our podcast surprisingly oh, yeah. and you know, we've recorded the podcast in kind of different locations throughout its 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 its, its life 
Yeah. You know, by the time we've at that time we've been doing all of this. Yeah. You know, we started off in our in our kitchen. It was our kitchen table. Our kitchen like, table, like literally for an awful large number of our shows. Right, and then we moved to a, a another a smaller office for recording. River Road Studios. Yep. And then we moved to our current one, which is Big Dog Studios, and been yep. doing that for two years now. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah. just, you know, when you think about all of the, the times and the we've gone through and... equipment issues, we've gone through like mixing boards, just suddenly not working. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. We've had stuff like that. I remember the early days when every single time we did a podcast, our producer would complain about how we were like, AKA all these, Patrick. yeah, there was all these complaints about how we were having all these extra things like, so, and, um, and all the popping and. You know, I mean, it took us forever, I think, for Sue and I to really get it. Um, we didn't really get how hard it was to um, edit. <laughs> so we cleaned it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, and I was the guy looking at all of the, you know, when you're doing editing for audio, you see all of these points and you'll see these long breaks and then you'll see this um, because if you look at it, you'll see the bar, what it looks like. And then you it got the, you know, the first show that I that I did that because you don't want to have the show filled with all those because when you're listening to somebody speak that is just pronounced you just hear it oh yeah it's super irritating right I heard a very famous singer the other night on a podcast and I and she was only on the podcast this person's podcast for maybe 10 minutes but I found myself counting the amount of times she said um and she's world famous, <laughs> like hella famous. And right, she was right. in her everyday speaking was um this, um that, um, um, um. Yeah. Because she was using it as a as a lot of people do. And we, we, all we do. did it too until I told you guys to stop doing that. Because I think on the first one, it must have been 80 or 90 times that I had to cut out um. I think we battled on that point for probably about 15 podcasts before Sue and I both really cleaned it up. And we were trying. It just, it's a really hard habit to break. Right. You don't realize you're doing it until yeah. you're doing it. Yeah. The one that we continually do, and it's I, it's difficult to come up with another transition word, but it's the so. Yeah, we so, did so. We did that a lot. You know, and we still do it. I do it. Yeah. it, it we, heck, we start off podcasts with so, uh, you know, because sometimes we are talking about something and then I say, are you ready? And you say, yeah, okay, we start recording. Oh. Yeah, then, all those so. <laughs> the so at the beginning of the podcast is kind of a, you know, my quiet joke back to the early days when we would start talking and then because you're on stage instead of just having a conversation suddenly you become cognizant of oh there are people listening. Right. Which causes you to have this sort of like mind scramble as you're trying to think of what to say next and have it be natural but then you know somebody's listening. So it's like it's this weird psychological I, thing. I think at the beginning, you know, there wasn't many people listening. Probably and as not. we had the first <laughs> ten not. or fifteen shows out, yeah. The the uh, distribution channels we were using allowed us to see analytics and started mm -hmm. seeing who you know, how many downloads, right? How many listens, all these things that we didn't have before. So I started presenting that to you and Sue at the time, and you're like, Oh, people are listening. And we should actually oh. really clean up. Patrick's right. Right. We and, want to sound good. Yeah. <laughs> and because of that, we, you know, and here's the thing, you know, we've mentioned it before. We had to upgrade our game a bit. Yeah. When we first started, we had, we had very low tech uh, because we didn't know if we were going to do it. We didn't know right. if we were going to keep doing it. Yeah. So we were using iTunes, not iTunes, um, I, I music, I, 
one of the eyes. Wow, I forgot all about that. That was a, that was a thing I used all the time. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I banned. I something. Garage anyway. band. Garage band. Yeah. Oh my God. We used garage band for, for quite a while to edit our, our um, podcast. And then we, as we progressed, we got you know, more yeah. complicated, better software. But even the uh, microphones and mixing boards and all that, we didn't really, we were having the computer be the mixing board, having I, um, GarageBand be the mixing board. And it was this real challenge to get everything to work. And then I started to do more research and learn more about it. And, you know, we had to upgrade. And when yeah. we did that, at the time, uh, and I'll just give a shout out, Mount Rose Herbs at the time had a community support. Yeah, we got um, one of their grants. One of their grants, and it helped us to bump up and get a little bit better yep. electronics and a little bit better stuff. And and our our podcast started to be produced and sound better. And not only that, once that started happening, and we had these numbers and we had this stuff, it was like this marriage. And then that's when that's when people started to be interested to coming on the show. Yep, and we moved from doing once a month to twice a month, and we were we were biweekly for a, a really long time. And that I think helped too, because we were right. putting them out more frequently. Because our numbers were, yeah, because we, yeah, we were once a month and then we were, then we were biweekly. Yeah. And then um, I later on got the brilliant idea that we should be weekly. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, because, you know, every time you read anything in the uh, content creation sphere, it's, you know, publish often, publish often, right. publish often. Yeah. You, you, you don't want to be not in the in the zeitgeist or in the thing where your your stuff is happening, happening, happening. And your customers or your listeners, if you're your fans, will start to expect that. Yeah. And monthly is too long. Biweekly was even too long. But coming yeah. up with something, you know, weekly was the was the was the I don't know if it's the magic sauce, but we started to generate more numbers. Right. Not just numbers of shows, but numbers yeah. of people listening. Well, and we at that point, by the time we finally went to weekly, I think we had more longevity too. Because a lot of podcasts go on and, you know, after twenty or twenty five episodes they drop off and they don't really do it anymore. Well, yeah. You know, and yeah. so we were past that point. I mean, we'd had our first big name herbalist that I didn't realize at the time we were interviewing him was a big name. Yeah, I didn't either. Which would be Howie Brownstein. Yep. And um, that was, I think that was a podcast 20, I think, if I remember right. Well, it's interesting in our, in our little town of uh, Eugene, there's quite a few uh, herbalists and alternative uh, health practitioners here. And Sue was very connected with quite a few of them. And oh, yeah. Sue knew Howie. Uh, we didn't know how we, we had no real no, connection to that. At that point, did. yeah, at that point, I was somewhat clueless about who were the names in herbalism. Like, I mean, I hadn't even, I had no clue that Howie was a big name. I thought this is another one of Sue's friends. Awesome. It'll be fun. It'll right. be, you know, challenging for me because I don't know him and it's the first time I'm ever meeting him. He actually was super easy and he's he's just, you know, sweet and Oh yeah, wonderful. We've had and he, a couple times. Yeah, now. and he's really knowledgeable, so he made it super easy for us. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then we had Nicole Telkish on um, very it, shortly after that. Right, and that was in the in the height of their fire cider battles. Battles. And yeah, it was right at the beginning of the fire cider. Yeah, because we had to come on later know. on uh, after that too, after the kind of the dust had settled. Yeah. Um, but you know, there again, it was a situation. I, you know, I'm not sure what our connection to Nicole was other than somebody knew somebody. I think that was a Sue connection as well. I know it wasn't me and I know that I wasn't, Sue was doing a lot of the reaching out to people at the time mm -hmm. um, because she knew more people than I did. So to get people on the show, she would call in favors as it were. Although as we moved along, I think people were actually interested and excited to be on the show because 
they were starting to get the feel that it was actually really comfortable, you know? Right. I mean, after we, we did, um, interview with Maria Noel Groves, which I could remember offhand when we did that one, she came and one of the comments she told us after we were done recording was that it was one of the best and easiest and most fun interviews she had done. She had been doing quite yeah, a few been, for she'd been on a book junket for for quite a while. Yeah, and she said that most of the time she would get on and whatever the podcast was, it was kind of the same set of questions. Yeah. And I'm kind of rebellious, so I just I did my research on whoever we were interviewing by that point and we just had a discussion. We well, had a conversation. Not that, so not not do you not only did you just do the research on the person, but if there was a book, like in the case Maria had, was um, yeah was promoting her book, you read the book, and yeah. you didn't just like read the you know the opening introduction or maybe a synopsis or a couple of recipes. You you read cover to cover. Yeah, I read cover to cover and have notes written like, oh, this is brilliant or whatever. Right. You know. So you were asking her questions about deeper knowledge base than the overall like yeah. the, the superfluous. Um, conversation of, you know, what's in the book, Maria? And what's this? And what's that? And right. Like, like, let yeah. them just talk about it. You were like digging down. You know, so on this recipe, you're calling this out. Why did you, I mean, yes. you were like digging deeper. Yeah. Not only that, but I think, you know, on all of those radio promotions and podcasts, no one was talking about, you know, her path into herbalism and right. how she got there. Yeah. You know, there was always, oh, well, you've been, you always come from the point, you know, and that was one of the advantages I think with our show was like, that we always did two shows from every, every person that was on. One with, with what your path yeah. and then two a topic. You know, and we found that that a lot of people want to know how, you know, Rosemary Glasser got started, or how we got started, or yeah. at least how they got started. And then because that opens up this uh, more fruitful area for conversation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, getting to know them. I've I've always been really interested in the stories of how people got to where they are. I find that really Interesting and somewhat inspiring, and it cause it often causes me to think outside the box. Oh yeah, so. you know our first real famous, famous like the like, first one like, that like the famous, famous, famous person. Yeah, that a lot our of people first know uber famous one. But it was Rosemary Gladstar. And, yeah, you know it's kind of interesting. You say show twenty five, and yeah. if you were to follow our current format, you'd say, well, that's only six months. Yeah, no, show twenty five, I believe, was like a year and a half to two years in at that point. Yeah, I think because we, we were going we, monthly and then we were bi-weekly. We still hadn't done yeah. the, you know, the herb lab um, um, format yeah. where it yeah. was every week, you know. Right. Uh, so even though it says twenty-five, she was actually pretty deep into our our uh, process. I think she was a year or two, or a year and a half in. Year and a half, I think, yeah, is what it was. We were doing. Yeah. So and it was interesting know. too because at that point I was such a, I mean, I my my own herbal studies had not even once brought up Rosemary Gladstar's name because I went down more of the energetics path. So it was a different path of studying. And so we were, got this ro this Rosemary Gladstar. Okay, mm -hmm. great. Sue was so excited. I mean, she was over the moon and super excited and nervous, like so, so nervous. Oh, yeah. And I was too foolish to realize. I mean, foolish. I say that like the tarot card fool. Like I had no clue. I was just going along I'm like, all right, we've got this, this person. Okay. That'll be fun. And then after we started talking to her about mid show, it suddenly hit me the level of experience and, and fame, if you will. Yeah. We were actually talking with and thankfully Rosemary made, she's, I mean, she's incredible. Mm -hmm. She made the interview super, super easy. And Sue had a clue, which also really, really helped because I just was so clueless at that point. But 
you know, so it hit me and I didn't get nervous, but it suddenly I was like, oh, well, now I understand why Sue was so nervous. Boy, do I feel like a fool. (laughs) (laughs) Well, maybe that's true, but maybe that being that naive, if you will, or yeah, not knowing naive. Yeah, exactly. that, that you were able to give an interview that you were nonplussed by who she was. Yeah, it, know, it probably helped. And I know that there were times where Sue was more nervous than I was about whoever it was we were interviewing. And I think me being just steady helped her feel because her, her interview was, her part of the interview was great. You know, so I think it just helped her feel more anchored. A lot of times I've had that effect on people in general that when they're nervous about things, if they just come and stand near me, a lot of times they'll feel a lot more solid, if you will, confident. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So, but yeah, that first one, that was, that was fun. <laughs> you know? Right. And, and, and up to that point, you know, I mean, we had another, um, I think, you know, it's funny because she was famous in Iceland. Well, yeah, she, she was our first book release. And she was first, our first international. And international. Yeah. I remember setting all of that up and. At the time, we were using um, Skype. Yes. And I remember the audio not being perfect. We're talking about show 40 with Anna Rosa. Yeah, and I, we, it was a struggle because you know, she wasn't the sound wasn't great. I knew this was going to be a lot of work, but I couldn't figure out. We tried to. I remember trying to fix the audio. We just couldn't get a better audio signal from her. Yeah, and, it, and well, I don't think it was her fault. I mean, oh, I don't think it was her fault. I mean, you know, here she, you know, she was. I think she's eight or nine hours difference from us. Yes. Yeah. And, and I mean, she was like doing this interview with us, what would have been very late in the day for herself. Right. It was evening, I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which right. was so nice. I was so generous of her to do that. And and then um, that was one of, I can't speak to what Sue's actual favorite book or author was, but I do know that the um, Icelandic Herbs book that Anna Rosa wrote is one of the ones that Sue we we would get one copy and then we would share the copy. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I would read first. It didn't really matter. I mean, one of us would read first, then the other one would before the interview. <clears throat> and then it would go on the shelf, right? you know, wherever. And um, for our, when we were still at the kitchen table, um, Sue and I kind of just shared the books, which was fine. I mean, and the Icelandic one is one of the ones that was almost always in Sue's hands. <laughs> she just did not give that one up easily. No, because it was, you know, it's a thing, really good book. Yeah. And I, you know, it was really, yeah, that didn't have like, it wasn't a, a, a tome of Materia Medica of every right. possible herb. It was what was on Iceland. And, you know, after you joke with Anna and she tells you that, well, yeah, there's only so many herbs here. Yeah. You know, the lot doesn't yeah. grow here. And, right. And it's a short yeah. season. It's volcanic. It's a whole thing. I'm like, Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, Iceland. and, and uh, it's not legal to be practicing herbalism here. Yeah, not which is yeah, like <laughs> right. You have to do all this stuff, which was yeah. yeah. And I think at the beginning it wasn't. And I remember her saying that it wasn't legal. Yeah, it's not legal to be yeah, practicing herbalism. And now I yeah. think it's different because when we talked to her recently, that didn't seem to be an issue. We didn't talk about that. I don't think. I mean, she herbs, was selling her herbs, herbals, and, and right, stuff. right. But yeah, she so. sells them for topical facial care. It's not. It, that's different. That's herbs internals? for yeah. That's okay. herbs oh, for, I don't know. That's, that's herbs for beauty, and it doesn't conflict with medical, you know, practicing medicine. Right. Well, the first that so. her show also marked the first time that we really kind of nailed down, you know, that topic 
show paired with a response show, which yeah. had Herb Lab, the B the show. show, I called it, <laughs> uh, like you know, to, uh, yeah. like an homage to the B side of a record. Yeah, you know, the forty-five you'd get, you get a B side, which wasn't always the best piece of music that they had, but it was it was more content, and that's what you wanted. Yeah, and you Sue know. and I went with you on that. We all struggled for a while trying to figure out what to call the second format show. I liked B show. But. Yeah, and Sue and I were at least I was. Little less thrilled with that. I mean, what, if you look back at the naming of the shows, you'll realize that it moved to Herb Lab like fairly quickly. And I didn't, yes. and to be fair, I didn't like Herb Lab because that gave this idea that there was going to be some kind of more educational kind of laboratory lab, you know, like really, right. good, you know. And I'm like, this is just the B show. We're going to talk about what we talk about because it's the B show. Right. It's, it's a filler in between our next topical show. Right. But you're like, no, I call Herb Lab. And I, you know, well, you give some, you lose some, win some, you know, okay. Yeah, and that was a point where we were having, that was a philosophical shift that we were all talking about what do we want to do. And I, I personally was like, well, regurgitating what we said last week is boring. Nobody's going to want to listen to that. I could totally have been wrong. You know, I, I that was just my thinking at the time. So I was like, well, what if we talk about how we use that information or applied it to our lives, because then people will see that the real part of herbalism, the real in real herbalism radio is we actually really use this stuff. We learn some something new from somebody and we give it a try somehow. And then we come back and talk about the experiments just like a laboratory because life is a laboratory. Mm -hmm. This was like the big crazy thinking I had. And I honestly don't know how, Sue felt about it one way or the other. Don't remember the discussions. Yeah, you know, my my thought was on it. This was a ten or fifteen minute show. I know and that was it. Just I something know. to fill the week in between. And you guys were like, "It's got to be more." And then we started doing oh. herbal one on one questions. So we put a form near the near the podcast so people yeah. could ask questions. You know, then we we do we had a new segment, you know, herbs in the news, which it seemed like it was easier to get at the beginning. And as we moved on, herbal news got harder and harder to find. Yeah, surprisingly, you know, yeah, uh, that was a challenge. Uh, you know, but yeah, I, I just that was my whole point with it. With the yeah, it wasn't a bad point, but you can't stop Sue and I from talking. At that point, we would end up with a forty minute show without even trying, just doing the herb labs. I know, so. and I was going, "Hey guys, I got to produce all this." I know, <laughs> I know. know. There was always that poor producer was in, always battling us. Well, it's like it wasn't his full time job, <laughs> you know. Uh, oh, and the technical challenges that well, he I ran mean, into. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, over the years, like we talked about, you know, we'd have, you know, where uh, we'd have mixers blow out, or oh, I say blow, up, but not work. We'd have Stop microphones working, that yeah. didn't that, that didn't work. Uh, software updates in the middle, of whatever. You know, suddenly Skype would would echo, and we couldn't figure out what was happening, or there'd be a delay. Uh, you, you know, or, or even worse, we record or because of the way the software work, I would be recording and testing everything, see the meters running and being great. And then I say, okay, let's go. We're live. We record the whole show and I look over and the timer wasn't even moving, which means there's no recording, which means we just did an hour talk and had nothing there. Yeah, we did so that we'd twice. Have, we'd have to do that again. And yeah. then another time I remember, you know, I know I copied that file over. I know I did. And then I, I, I can't yeah. find it anywhere. So, yeah. you know, there was one time I found it on a deep, deep backup archive or something. Like, yeah. a, like a that time was, machine backup. That was the third one where yeah. we thought we were going to – it was so – like, And okay. we couldn't get a hold of that person again. Yeah, I didn't think – Yeah, it was going to be really hard to get a hold of them. Yeah. And, and uh, I found it. I mean, I dug. Oh, I took them a couple hours and I dug <laughs> and I dug and I found a backup of it. Yeah. You know, but boy, I, you know, and it's such, it's so simple. You're like, 
You take the file from here, and you move the file over there, and you do this. Done. So the two episodes that we had to re-record were show 230 with Katja and Rin, and then show 291, Herbs for the Crossroads with Rhea Human. Yeah. And the one of them was because of a technical error when, during recording, and the other was because of a drive crash, you know, that we couldn't, we just, the file was lost. That was that. And... um in both cases, we we were really there was like a lot of hair pulling and consternation and stomping of feet and being anguished over the fact that we were going to have to call these people back and ask them to return and re-record for us. Well, yeah, because you know it was embarrassing. Well, yeah, we, yeah, we look like a bunch of buffoons, but I mean, right, was, that's how we felt. You know, <laughs> you know? the other thing with it too is that you know. Setting them up, we're on the West Coast. Yeah. So that hour and two hour time difference or three hour for could be really challenging yeah. for, for for us and, and for them. them. So yeah. you know, we always wanted to record at two. Well, that meant we were recording at five on East Coast time. Yeah. Which is the end of the day for some people. Yeah. You know, so we'd have to flex a bit. They have to flex. And then when we'd say, Yeah, we're recording at two today, in their mind it was two Eastern time. In our time it was yeah. two o'clock Pacific. And we're waiting for them and they're at two Eastern and you know, it, it's only what ten yeah, o'clock here, all those or whatever. Coordination challenges. Eleven o'clock. So yeah. there's all these. You know, so we always had to say your time. You know, Pacific, or you know, we'd have to make mm-hmm. sure we would say Pacific Standard and send you know all these times so we wouldn't miss it. And we'd still have issues where we'd miss people. Well, out I mean, of heck, Matthew, would we almost missed him? Out of the three hundred shows, only having to re-record two, I think, is pretty good. And in both cases, it was actually the second show was a much better show. So it turned out to be, I think, a blessing that both those two shows did get re-recorded. Right. Because the discussion became, it was it just was better. better. It was a better discussion yeah. for sure. I mean, just like any time you write you know, a story and you write it again, it's probably better the second time. Yes. And the Matthew Wood one, that one was, that one, I was so nervous for that. That was the first, I can say Matthew Wood is the one and one guest that we've had that had me as nervous as Sue was over Rosemary Gladstar yeah. way back at the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was really, really nervous. And then he was, we were supposed to be, you know, getting to doing the podcast at one time and he had written down or thought or whatever an hour later. And it was the end of the day for us to do it. And I mean, that particular day, I was already kind of pushing you to get you to be able to arrange your schedule to uh, to accommodate this interview because it was an odd time for us. Yeah, it was. And uh, yeah, then, I mean, I was really thankful when I, when we finally did connect and we finally recorded the show. I was so thankful that it went well, it went smoothly, and we didn't not record it or lose it or something. Uh, <laughs> right. Um, you know, one of the other things on the technical side of, of things was – doing a panel show, you know, especially oh, at the beginning, because was... we didn't have, um, we didn't have a lot. Of, I mean, you put three or four people in a room. We had to share microphones. Yes. We'd have to sit really close. Um, it was so not COVID friendly. At the time, <laughs> yeah. It was so not COVID friendly. Yeah. Uh, we had, I think we had two, two microphones and we had to sit right next to each other to record. Right. And then like Sue and I would be half of the panel. And then one of the shows that we did was show 39, the Pooh show with Howie and Zoe. And so it was Howie, Zoe, Sue and myself. And mm-hmm. then you were there, but you wouldn't, didn't really participate a great deal. 
So we're all like huddled around the kitchen table, you know, huddled by the microphones trying to share. (laughs) (laughs) And then we did show 101 with Wendy and Rebecca, which was the Herbal 101 Questions show. And that was the same thing. We were also kitchen table huddled. (laughs) It was, it was challenging trying to get those, you know, between sharing all the equipment and then trying to coordinate all the schedules and, that was a bit of a challenge. Oh, yeah. Totally. Those were fun, though. Those were really fun. I kind of had the idea we would do more of those, but they were hard to pull off. Really hard. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was definitely, you know, learned a lot. Yeah, we sure. did. For we sure. did. For sure. Um, One of the other challenges that we ended up facing was when Sue left the show. Yeah, that was a tough I, one. Yeah, because I mean, you were like, "Well, you wanted me to step up," and I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> yeah, yeah. At that point, I we I had I typically at that point so that we could have a hiatus. I would build up shows. We I, I would schedule a recording so that we were sometimes recording several shows in advance. So we had a heavy like we every week recording kind of you know structure right. for a couple of months so that we would I would have some extra shows to get us through hiatus. And um so we had some shows built up. So when Sue left to pursue some other, you know, interests and stuff that she had, mm-hmm. we had a series of I can't remember how many, um five or six, I can't remember how many it was, shows that we'd already recorded. So interviews we would recorded with Sue, but then we're our corresponding herb lab wasn't going to be an herb lab with Sue. So we had to rethink the format of the show and (laughs) you had to get comfortable on air fast. Yeah. I mean, I would always been the third, you know, the the third leg, the spoke, the whatever you want to call it in, in all of these recordings, I was never the, a co-host or a co-person. I was always the, you know, jump in with a a quip, <laughs> a quip, or a comment, or whatever, and yeah. and uh, you know that was it. I never really. There was then, a, then, then it was a couple shows like you know when we did like the Kratom show or we did the beer yeah, show or, or yeah. a coffee show where I knew a little bit more about things than yeah than um than than I than I, you know but but yeah you never had to be like really prepared for any of the shows. All you had to do was manage the technical technical stuff, and then occasionally say something. You know, and then handle the ads and the intros and stuff. Right. So that was. So yeah, show two hundred and seven was a big one for you. That was your first. You mean I've only chat. done ninety three shows with you? Yeah, that's how many. That's it. Yeah. Oh, it yeah. Two hundred and seven. I know, right? <laughs> two hundred and seven was your first one, and then our first show where you had to actually be a part of the interview with a guest was show two hundred and twenty two with Yolanda Joy. Oh, yeah. And that, she's, I mean, she's so delightful. She did, she also made it easy for us. Um, but I know that was one that you were, I remember you being nervous going into it because you didn't feel like you really were going to be able to talk much or have much to contribute. And right. I mean, you always have had plenty to contribute, but. Oh, sure. You know. I, I can always, you know, I can always talk. But getting over that that hump, I mean, Sue and I had to do that over the first like twenty shows. <laughs> so we were, I was like, I was comfortable by show two hundred, right? You know, or two hundred and seven or whatever. But you were not, and it was interesting. Do you have an idea for a website or a blog? 
Not sure how to get about creating a website that will be secure, fast, and running smoothly? Chances are you're not a web developer and do something else. So you try to do it yourself, focusing all the time learning how to create a website, in essence becoming a web developer. Meanwhile, you've lost focus on why you wanted the website in the first place. Mudpodesign.com can get your website created, launched, and running properly in much less time than you think. They create websites that are yours and not part of a big system with templates and themes that everyone else uses too. Your website is as unique as you are. Contact mudpodesign.com today. What do you think was like our most silliest show that we had of all the, of all 300? What would you say was? The silliest show? Yeah. The silliest or funniest, most relaxed. Well, I, I, you know, we did a show on, on uh, beers using herbs. Oh yeah, that one. You know, we did. Yes. You know, we have a. We were very fortunate. We have a, a very good. Uh, I think that was show seventy or seventy one. Which uh, the show, show twenty. The show that I remember. Oh yeah, show twenty. When which was Sue, the, Dylan, and you were slowly getting drunk throughout the show. It was right, hilarious. We, you know, we had like eight <laughs> or twelve uh, beers and oh, ciders. Oh my gosh. And you know, you open up one, you just can't let it sit. So no. we were so we were passing bottles and, you know, and we tasted all of them when we were still sober. Yes. But yes. as we were talking about them, we kept drinking the beer, so we were getting yes. a little bit warm little and, more and tipsy by the end yeah. of the by the end of the show. That was really it, funny. And it was fun. It was a good show. I mean, we I loved going to um to uh this beer place, the beer stein here, which had all the beers we wanted. Yep. Yeah, and you guys can all rest assured, I drove home for everybody because I was not drinking anything. Well, okay, first I had the of tiniest all, we, taste. Ac- we, we acquired the beers there. We drank <laughs> at the studio. In this case, the studio was home. Yes. So we drank at home. Uh, that was, yeah, that, that was, was probably really the fun. silliest. I mean, the other one that comes to mind oh. for silly was, you know, Kratom was making Kratom a big, big splash here, you know, not only just locally, but yeah. regionally. And then there were some issues with FDA was going to say, oh, this is illegal. We're going to make this illegal yeah. and put it as a schedule one. And we were like, well, wait a second. So we had yeah. all this information. We talked about it. Well, why don't we try it? So yes. I, I think it was show 71. Sue, I don't know how she did it or where she got it, but she got her hands on some Kratom. Oh, I did. So on was show, it, show was 70. Was it you that found it? Yeah. A friend of mine um, was 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 taking it, was using it. Yeah. And I said, hey, can I get about a gram or two or whatever it was for, yeah, for two small. people? Yeah. So we could try this out, and he yeah. said, "Sure." And so he gave us some. Was, okay, people, it's not that expensive. It's not like no, you know, it's, it's and it really it's, isn't. It's, a, it's available pretty, you know. Anyway, yeah, it's not that hard. But I'd to never find, had it before. Yeah, and and so I didn't know what it tasted like. I didn't know anything. I just know that it had to be a tea, and it had to be, you know. And this is how we were going to drink it. And you and Sue and started so off the I. show. You know, that we I would I was like, you guys can't even take a sip till we're recording, right? And right. Um, <clears> the faces <throat> you both made were classic. Oh yeah, because it was it's, so bitter. I mean, Kratom is. Really bitter. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, we it was interesting because as we drank the tea uh, over the course of that 45 minutes, you know, Sue was suffering, I believe she had back pain. Yeah, she was having we, some sciatica or something. When we started that show and by the end of that show, she didn't have back she pain. She was anymore. feeling better, yeah. And she's like, wow, I don't have the back pain. Because yeah. Because it was just enough to have your muscles relax a bit. Yeah. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't like, um, you know, hallucinogenic and it wasn't, you yeah. know, that kind of stuff. It was just kind of a... Kind of warm, fuzzy, and it yeah. was kind of nice. It just felt nice. I thought it was really funny to watch the both of you loosen up and get kind of buzzy. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing is, like Sue liked it so much that you know she she used it again, and then she yeah. found herself, you know, she's always been uh, afraid of addiction. Yeah, she was always smartly she, so. Well, no, and then, I mean, then, then, yeah, and what I mean is like more so than 
you know, where it, it'll say that this, this, you know, Kratom is supposed to be not addictive, right? Right, right. But, but she found herself reaching for it to yeah. quell the pain her saying more and more often. And she's like, I, she had to stop. Yeah. Now, yeah. it wasn't my experience. I didn't feel like I needed to do it again. But um, anyway. Well, I mean, the just, herbs, you know. that's one of those cases where the herbs really have different effects on different people. You can't really, we all have a different experience with the plants, you know? So, yeah, exactly. Um, so who was like the most like, I don't know, heartwarming, good feel. Like, oh, um, definitely. Rebecca Ingalls is one of the ones that was one of my most heartwarming interviews. And part of that is that that show, I think it was 252, mm-hmm. that Rebecca and I had uh, had been, you know, we've been chatting a long time. Um, she's on the East Coast, I'm on the West, and we would, you know, meet once a week and chat and, you know, talk herbs and stuff. And we had met through BNI, uh, which is Business Networking International's uh, business group. Right. And so we were, you know, initially that was what we were talking about, but we had a friendship that grew out of that. And I really tried to get her on the show for quite a long time. And then finally she was ready. And so when she came on the show, part of what made it so heartwarming for me is that I always, I mean, I always have adored Rebecca. She's so wonderful. She's sweet. She's loving. She is, mm-hmm. you know, and she knows her herbs and she really gets the emotional part yeah. of what the herbs can do. Um, but there was a lot of her backstory that I really didn't know because we didn't talk about past stuff that much together. We always talked about what was going on now and what we're doing with our business now or what we're doing with the plants now. And so that, getting to know her better by getting to better understand her background and, you know, who she, where she, her path into herbalism mm-hmm. was that just to say it made me like love her all over again is kind of, you know, cheesy and that is cheesy, but that's kind of how it was. It was like, Oh, you're so amazing. So right. it changed or gave me a, a deeper perspective, I guess you could say. So she would be one of them. And then the other one that I thought was like for me, one of the most heartwarming ones was show 258 with Rhea human. And, um, part of that was because she's, she's young and getting started in herbs or, you know, she's, you know, been there for, for a while, but you know, she's, she's got that youthful early in your career, passion and excitement and she was a total fangirl and I didn't know it. Yeah. She was like, she was. <laughs> She had discovered um, herbs and herbalism after an accident, watching a television show, and didn't know that was a thing mm-hmm. that you could do that. And yeah. then she started researching and found out what that was called. And then she found our podcast. Yeah. And yeah. then she just started listening to the podcast. Yeah. You know, and that just was her biggest inspiration. And you know, we just happened to be in the state that she was moving to because of that show. She moved to to Oregon because of the, the show, the Graham. TV show, yeah, Graham, and she, yeah. That she, that's why they moved here. Yeah, you know, and I thought yes. that was that was a story unto itself. And then you know, for us only being about an you know an hour and forty minutes away, it was oh, you know, that was just yeah. a thing. So yeah, and I get, I mean, I get super excited when I hear about people getting excited about herbs and oh, you know yeah. people who are. You know, not necessarily, they don't have to be younger than me, but who are young in herbalism and they've got that new passion and excitement and they've got ideas of how they're approaching it. And I just, I love that energy. And then to find out that we actually inspired someone that to like along her path. Mm -hmm. Oh, that just made me so happy. I was so joyful. Oh yeah. So yeah, that for me, that was one of my heartwarming guests, you know. Well, I mean, along those lines then, you know, what, I mean, we've had a lot of guests on, so 
what guests surprised you the most as far as where you were at when you when you first heard they were coming on versus after the show? <laughs> so one of the ones, the the first one that really surprised me was um, Sue. Had, many of our early guests were people that Sue knew, and one of them is Plato. And he was a young fellow, and I I knew very very little about him uh, because there wasn't you know it wasn't like looking up Rosemary Gladstar where there's a ton of information out there. So I had very little, and I was really in in my own ego place at that point in the show, where I was like, oh, I'm I've I've got to try to live up to being as good as Sue, you know, mm-hmm. on the show and as an herbalist and all of that. And right. that was that was all me. I mean, that was just yeah. me being ego. Right. But so when she really and she pushed really hard, she really wanted Plato on the show, and I walked into the recording session that day really with this mindset of. It's going to be a tough show. This is going to be all Sue and Play-Doh. They're going to be chatting like old buddies, and I'm not going to even know what to say to them because I'm not like hip and young like Play-Doh is, and I'm not into the Eugene culture, and I don't do, you know, all the stuff that, you know, I thought that they were going to be, Mm -hmm. that it was going to be about. And then when we actually started, you know, talking, he was so amazing. He was interesting to talk to he was a very he was such a good conversationalist oh yeah i mean he had done a, yeah. a, a not sure if it was a regional ted talk or how they did that but a he tedx did, talk he or did something a tedx like talk and then they had a video that they had shot that yeah. he and his group and it was fun and you know i really kind of dug what he was getting in you know yeah dug what he was into and it was kind of fun to, to talk to him like you said he had a lot of energy and i think you know he was kind of unsure what the whole podcasting was gonna be like too but you know, he just got right into it, and I yeah. think he was just a natural spokesman for the, their their movement. And yes, I mean, yeah. I think it was gardens or something. Yes, and gardening. I can't remember. I can't remember offhand, but I mean, but it's you show, can look at the show. Show one thirty six. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. One thirty six. Uh, but yeah, and I mean, Sue was awesome on that show. It oh, was yeah. a it was a terrific. It was a fun show. Absolutely. It was just really. It turned out to be way more fun than so. It surprised me. The other one that really surprised me was an herbalist that you brought to the show. And she's someone who had contacted you for doing some herbal labels. And, oh, yeah. And you'd been working with her for a while. And you'd mentioned her a couple of times. But I was just not really paying attention. I mean, I sort of was. But I was also very absorbed in the show and managing, you know, how many – what our guest schedule was. And there was so much to manage that that's where my head was at. And so when you invited and when you said we, you really wanted Leslie Sheldua on the show, it took me a while to coordinate with her and to finally, you know, get her on. Um, we had her for show 262. And the thing that surprised me was that she has such a warm and wonderful aura, if you will, about her. She's mm-hmm. just, she's so easy to talk to. She's so comfortable. And her story was somewhat amazing. I mean, to be that close to death and then to be having herbs be like your your path out of death away from that dark night was pretty inspiring to me. I thought that was that surprised me. I didn't realize she had such a dramatic story. Every time you you mentioned her, you didn't mention the big dramatic elements. Mm. You were very lightweight about it. Oh, to be fair, I didn't know some of that stuff about her until yeah. she talked to us. Yeah, but she is, I mean, she's she's a wonderful herbalist and she's such a sweetheart. You I know, had a terrific time with that right. one. So, yeah. I mean, for me, 
um, I always kind of like get into the people that, that are like, like farming yeah. you know, and listening to what they're doing, you know, with like to show 270 with Oshala Farms. I was so interested in the whole idea of, of seed propagation and what goes into oh, that. Yeah. yeah. There was just so many things. And that's the first time I really, I mean, I knew it, but I didn't really realize it that some things need to be fire germinated. Right. Know, like the heat. I'm like, oh, wow, that's crazy. You know, but I, I knew that, but I mean, but not like the herbal You're, plant way, you know. I you mean, didn't really you know, think about it. Right. <laughs> you know? know, harvesting seeds, you just figure these plants are making seeds, they're going to drop, they're going to grow. Yeah. Right? They got to have the right conditions. There's mm -hmm. all this stuff. It's like, you hear all this, you're like, well, how, how does anything even propagate? You yeah, know? right. Um, the other show that I liked a lot was, and in, in it just reaffirmed what I always had thought too, is, you know, Tony DiMaggio and you know, when he was, he was yeah. doing the herbal teas and on um, that um, biodynamic. Biodynamic uh, farming. farming yeah. And how he was just like, this is the way they're going to grow. This is what we're going to do. Yeah. And when we got his product, you know, when he sent us his teas, they were just so. They were shockingly vibrant. Potent. Yes. For dried teas. It was like, no way. You know, yes. it, it, nothing like I had, honestly, nothing like, you know, going to even, you know, even locally and getting a tea blend from, from, uh, like you know, mountain reserves or whatever, or whatever yeah. you know, and and they're good. Don't get me wrong; they're fine. This was just there's Mount Rose herbs, and then there was Dimaggio's. Yeah, it was just wow, big it was step a up, big yeah. difference. And, you know, both dry teas, both whatever. Mm -hmm. So learning about how he was growing and what he was doing and how he was making it happen was really interesting to me, and, and it really just felt touched. The other thing too is like, to be fair, you know, he is a lot of the places where he retailed and where he lives is kind of in our old stomping grounds. Back in Minnesota and Wisconsin, so I had that familiarity with it, with it, what, where he was selling, what he was doing. So that also kind of, you know, there was that little bit of that a, connection. Yeah, there was a connection, and, and it was nostalgia for, for yeah. you know, there. Uh, so that's those are the kind of two shows that really kind of, you know, got me as far as you know, herbalist that we wanted to say that that um, you know, kind of surprised me the most, I guess, just because of what they were doing and and. Uh, I was just so interested in, in what they had to say. So was there anyone that like changed the way you thought about herbs and herbalism? Um, I think the biggest one, you know, we go back again, and I'll just say the first show with Anna Rosa. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't, it didn't know it was illegal and it's still not, it's not legal in lots of countries. You can't be a practicing herbalist. Yeah. And that's like which, shocking. Which is to shocking me. to me because it's, this is traditional family medicine that had been around for, yeah. you know, and maybe they still practice in the country, but no one, no one says it's herbalism. Yeah. But that idea that, you know, in some area, in some countries you can't do it, you know, and in our country you still can. And there's a big, big movement to keep it that way. Right. Right. There's a lot yeah. of people doing it, you know, and unfortunately, unfortunately or unfortunately in our country, because there's money involved. I mean, you look at the herbal industry as a whole, it's a pretty big industry. Yeah, it is. So if you say, yeah, you know, one can practice that, you're going to have a few people going, uh, we make this much money to the Yeah, you're going to have some multi-million dollar supplement companies pretty pissed yeah, off. Yeah, exactly. So, so you, <laughs> you know, it's you not know, going to happen. Right. You know. So love it or hate it that, that our system allows for the, for something like, herbalism to continue to be practiced because there's a monetary benefit to it. Yeah. Right. Uh, but on her side of the, the pond, if you will, um, a little bit different, you know, it, it's not, she had to abide by a whole bunch of different rules and regulations. She has to do different things. The other thing that always surprised me too was like, you know, there's only a handful of herbs in Iceland that actually grow. Right. You know? So she, <laughs> you know, I was like, wow, you have a whole herbal, you know, practice or herbal products that you're making based on these herbs that grow there. And yeah. I found it also fascinating that, her yarrow was, you know, only a foot, foot and a half tall tops, but it was super, super 
potent. You know, and our our uh, our yarrow grows you know four feet tall at the Oregon coast, and sure, it smells like yarrow. It is yarrow, but yeah, you'd have to take that whole plant yeah. <laughs> to get right. the same power out of that. Yeah. You know, so I just thought that was interesting. The the difference. So that's what really surprised me about that one. And and you know, what about you know you know for you, what were your like? Well, you talk about like herbalism being a thing and not being like not being allowed to practice and all of that and it being traditional medicine. And one of the ones that really opened my eyes was show 232 with Phyllis Delight. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that Phyllis said was that herbalism never died in the South. You know, I grew up in the North. My family's from the North. We're all Northern people. And there was a strong shame to using any family remedies that was just part of the Northern culture. You just... You go to the doctor, you get the professionals to help you. There isn't a home remedy thing. Maybe you make chicken soup. That's okay. But but we didn't really have herbalism as an actual way to take care of your health at home. Right. You know, that just isn't normal from the Northern culture or wasn't through, you know, my lifetime. So to hear that, well, down in the South, they never really let go of it. That was a shock to me. That was like a real eye opener. I didn't realize that regionalism still actually was a thing in America. And that regions could have things like herbalism is normal in the South, whereas here it's, you know, in the North it isn't or out on the West Coast. I mean, it's becoming normal again, but this whole idea of an herbal renaissance that most of the rest of the country is aware of and it is a renaissance wasn't actually a renaissance in the Deep South. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of an eye opener. The other one that was a real eye opener for me was show 246 with Bette Williams. Talking about psilocybin. Psilocybin? Yeah. Psilocybin. Psilocybin mushrooms, magic mushrooms. Right. I know you had a hard time with that book initially when you read it. Well, it it wasn't that I had a hard time with it. It was a challenging book because there's many aspects of it. It, It's a little stream of consciousness. So it's a little bit, you know, it feels a little at first like she's just jumping around somewhat randomly. Yeah. It isn't that bad, but that was kind of the feeling. It reminded me of... um, I can't remember the name of the author. There's an author, the a famous author from the South, who fellow from, I believe it's in the early 1900s that did that kind of writing. And I wish I could remember his name, but anyway, it fell a little bit like that, a little stream of consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, the part that opened my eyes was that I hadn't thought seriously about magic mushrooms as being something that would might be okay to try at some date time in my life. Um, and I never considered them something that would be a potential for let's make it legal. You know, cannabis was an easy one for me because there was enough information and I'd come into contact enough with information and, and people who had used cannabis and weren't just layabouts, you know, like, (laughs) like normal functioning, healthy people that were really positive in their communities and doing a great job at their jobs or caring for families or whatever they were doing. And they were cannabis users before it was legal. And, you know, so cannabis wasn't that hard of a step for me, but magic mushrooms is one of those ones that's like, oh, you know, that's where drug use starts. (laughs) And after talking with her and doing more of the research that I did as a part of, you know, getting ready for that show, looking more at the the way that laws are changing and the small amount of research that we have begun to do on them, it really changed my perspective on magic mushrooms or psilocybin mushrooms and 
the potential for them to be very good, powerful herbal medicine. Yeah, and you know, the interesting part that that has become so popular, and since, of course, since that show, um, state of Oregon has legalized the the, you know, the ability to set up treatment centers for microdosing psilocybin, um, which I think is a is a big move, and yeah. all the research that's coming out about it. So I'm really happy that to see that because I think it's an area that we just haven't really focused on as much as we could. You know, mm-hmm. I know it can help from help certain things. Um, so yeah, I'm really kind of excited about that. But, you know, but I think, you know, we talk about these, these past episodes and one of the things, you know, that as we were speaking, I started thinking, you know, because the memory starts popping back. I was thinking of the the show that creeped me out the most. Yeah. You had one show that really gave you the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. And and that's show 228 for for, for y'all. And that was Alexis Chesney and it was all on ticks. Yep. And ticks, I just, I just don't like ticks. Yeah, that was a hard one for you. I watched you squirming the whole time, both shows that we did for her, but you know that first one especially, two twenty eight. Oh were, yeah, I mean, well, because it bring it brought up a lot of you know past experiences when I was younger with ticks. It, it brought up all these these memories and these things, and it just you know if you ever have a tick on you and it it, it gets stuck and engorged, it's an awful experience, especially because your parents don't have the tools ready to take it off. So they do things like, Hey, take this lighter, put it next to your skin. I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah. like, it was a lot <laughs> of crazy like, things. Like, ah, you know, and I just remember all, Oh, you gotta get the head out. And I'm like, Oh my Lord. You know, I just, just ticks in general. I'm, you know, I don't like them. And yeah. just listening to her and, yeah. you know, and I, you know, she gave a lot of really good um, advice on how to, you know, how to prevent, prevent and, yeah. and that, but it still was like, I don't know if there was a show that creeped you out, but that one did me. So yeah, that there, there were really wasn't any shows that actually creeped me out like that. I mean, I can say that I don't love ticks, but her book, Alex, Alexis's book was really good and practical and actually just made me feel empowered, mm-hmm. you know, and I've not, I had, you can listen to the show. I'm not going to go into my tick experience, but I had a really bad tick experience when I was a child. Yes. And it was traumatic for many reasons, but it didn't create in me that kind of visceral mm. fear or disgust with ticks. I mean, I don't like them, Ugh. but I can deal with it. It could be worse, could be worse. You know, I mean, I'm a lot worse shape if someone gets a deep cut. That's where I just, I'm like, oh God, I'm going to faint. Oh, I can't deal with that. But ticks, okay, I can deal with that. Not fun, but I can deal with it, you know? Right. So we didn't do any shows really that pushed me into that zone of, I've got to deal with something that's really horrifying. <laughs> we did have some shows where I had a lot of fun, like, you know, I think it was show 127 when I... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oil of egg episode. (laughs) Yes, the oil of egg episode. Oh, God, that was... That was hilarious. So you guys have to go back and actually listen to the show to, like, get the whole story. But I made this stuff called oil of egg, which is an alchemist's thing. And I followed alchemy, like, old, old alchemy way of doing it because of the tools I had. So I made this stuff called oil of egg and it's really not awesome in flavor. I, I, I'll, I'll divulge that I had tried it. Well, like right after I made it, I had tried just a tiny little taste of it. So I knew exactly what it was like. 
So on the show, I brought my oil of egg and I convinced both Patrick and Sue to try a drop. Yeah. That was hilarious. Yeah. That's good. <laughs> Candace doing a little practical jokies. <laughs> yep. While recording. While recording. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, that was I wish a, I wish you guys could have seen their pleasant. faces. Yeah. Not yeah. pleasant at all. Nope. So, nope. So yeah, that was that was a funny show. I, I enjoyed that one. Um, you know, I, I you know, you think about, you know, favorites too for me, you know, um the coffee show with Ocone. Yeah, that was that was an herb lab that we did after hearing talking about like the medicinal stuff, and then Ocone came and right, and we did we learned to show us cupping, and we you know uh, how you know cup coffee properly, and and that, and just you know, having a conversation with him. Uh, Equino is it coffee roasters. Yeah, um, uh, you know, he was just great. It was a funny. It was because I I knew that subject pretty well, and but just to have someone else there to not only corroborate what I knew, which was kind of nice, but also to show some other things as to. You know, what you're doing and why and how and, and, and yeah. it was kind of cool. So it was I, fun I, to know. learn some of the how-tos of how to make a really good cup of coffee. It doesn't actually have to be that hard. He went over what's called pour-over coffee. Yeah, pour-over. Yeah. yeah, and it's you don't need a ton of tools. It's really realistic. I mean, that's the kind of thing you could actually make in your college dorm room. Oh, yeah, it's you can. Simple. The other interesting part, too, is you know after he had done this show, I started going to a couple of coffee shops that I go to occasionally locally. And you could get a pour over. It was yeah. twice as much as everything else, but you could yeah. get a pour over if you wanted it. Yeah. And it wasn't exactly. even that. I was like, this is really just basic, Bob. But, yeah. you know, because it took more time to, the barista had to spend more time with it. That's why you was paying more for it. So, yeah. And they didn't yeah. just give you a bottle of hot water or, or a and have kettle you of hot water it, and yeah. have you do it because then you might hurt yourself. Right. You know, but right. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that, that episode. 87 with Ocone. That was fun. <clears throat> Any other favorites that have come to mind and that you really liked? Uh, one of the ones that I really liked was one of our earlier ones. It was on Chinese formulation with Zoe Fallion. One of the reasons I really loved that was that formulation is one of those big topics in herbalism, especially as you're starting to study and and look at creating like more not necessarily full-on clinical herbalism, but even a home herbalist trying to take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, oh, I'm just going to, you know, grab these three herbs that I have in the kitchen and dump them in there and then that I'll make the syrup with that. Right. Where you start to be thoughtful about how much of each herb and all of that. And I really love the Chinese approach to herbalism and the idea of thinking about each of the parts of the thing, like the herb that's going to do the bulk of the action is the emperor and <laughs> you know, all of the, the different personalities for them. And so I loved talking about that. And I loved the way that Zoe spelled it out. She made it easier to understand because I'd read a few of those things in books. Right. But it was rather dry. And then having her actually just come and explain it was really, I liked that. That was one of my favorites. And then I also have to admit, I loved Jason Scott. He was fun. He, he was also my inspiration for doing oil. Well, yeah, because he was the alchemist. <laughs> yeah, was the, the alchemist. alchemist. Alchemist guy. Yeah, but we also got to geek out and talk about things that were rather esoteric. And I don't often get to talk with people about esoteric stuff because most people, their eyes glaze over or they're like, um, hey, how about those latest sports team? <laughs> you know, anything to talk about <laughs> this. You're so boring. <laughs> so. It was really fun for me and to get to talk with someone who is, you know, totally geeking out over both mushrooms and alchemy. Oh, yeah. And it was, that was fun. I, I just enjoyed that one. Nice. 
Um, we talked about it earlier in the episode or the today's show, but the beer show was probably a lot of fun for me too. It was because I love yes. tasting beers and, and all that. But then to put the herbal slant on it was like really interesting too because, you know, you forget that, you know, there was more to beer than, than, than just hops for bittering. They use lots yes. of different things. And if you do it right, it just there's it opens up for this other opportunity for other flavors and other things to come to pass that are not just yeah. hops or more hops or yes, and well, we, even more hops. And when we did that show, we were focused on those the different beer from a from perspective of more of an herbal perspective. And we were starting to see the beginning of a lot of um rediscovery by brewers, local and micro brewers of the not hops route. Right. That was really fun. It, you know, it I wish exciting. it would have expanded more in the marketplace. Um, it didn't seem to catch on as much. I mean, you can still yeah. get some of those beers, but um, now they're, you know, they come into these, you know, you know, ruts like, you know, now it's hazy beer. Yeah. So everything's hazy, which a friend of mine said, well, that's just substitute hazy for lazy. Yeah. Because they're not filtering. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. You know, so yeah. anyway. Um, but yeah, I, I wish that would have been more of a – uh, a genre that would have caught on in the beer market. But, you know, people in those cases, you know, people don't want to deviate from the norm. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah, the show, the beer show is probably the herbal beer show is probably my, one of my favorites. I mean, I don't know if you'll send a trend here, but you know, drinking coffee, drinking beer, beer I mean, drinking croton, you know, get croton. Mm. That was the other <laughs> show that I thought was a really good one because it was, you know, because you got to hear how we we change. You got to hear the the process. We did something we you know knew for the first time, which made it made it interesting. You know, we were examining it, and that's what I liked about that show as well, which is you know learning about about the um, you know about Kratom and what it what it could do and how it could feel like. I mean, now you know a few years later, I realized that there are strains of Kratom now you can yeah, you know, which can do different things for you way beyond what yeah, we knew I mean, when we tried it. You know, I always <laughs> thought the Kratom does this, and I find out. Oh no, it can do this, this, and this, just depending yeah. on the strain that you're getting. Yeah. Really? It's kind of like Tulsi or holy basil has multiple strains. And most of the time when you look up information, herbal information on Tulsi, you'll get it as as if there's only one strain, but there's actually multiple strains that have some subtle differences, and those subtle differences can make a big deal, big difference when you're formulating with them oh, about sure. which one is the best one to use. And Kratom is the same. Right. It is. Um, is there any like other shows that stand out for you in, that, in the last 300? You know, I had three shows, three other guests that really were big ones for me for various different reasons. Um, one of them was show 236, Leslie Korn, yeah. um, talking about her book, Natural Woman. And I think she does a wonderful job herself in her practice and as well as in her yeah. book of bringing the idea of ritual and sacredness into very practical daily practice of herbalism in a way that I don't see a lot of. And that was, it was, that was part of why I became very, at the time I was very enthralled with her book and then getting to talk to her. I mean, she was very easy and enjoyable to talk to. She was very grounding and she has this wonderful, soft energy about her that's powerful. So it's like the sacred feminine lives in Leslie Korn, you mm -hmm. know? Right. And I, I really appreciated that. And, um, that was one of my, that was one of my favorites for that reason. Um, another one that was a big favorite for me was show 256 with Erica Gallantin. Mm -hmm. 
and just, I mean, talking with Erica in general, she's got this wonderful, joyful, excited passion for herbs. And it's, it's hard. I mean, it's hard to, it's also a somewhat spiritual thing, you know, her approach to how she makes her hydrosols and how she approaches the plants in general is this spiritual experience, but again, very grounded in very practical, real, everyday stuff. So she does a wonderful job of melding the two so naturally that it's not like you feel like you're having a spiritual journey, <laughs> you know? So that was, I really, I loved chatting with her. She was fun. Mm-hmm. And then the other one, my, my, my final favorite, which was, I mean, as you can tell, when I was thinking about what are my favorite shows, I've got like, what, six, <laughs> six yeah. favorites, yeah. you know, but out of 300 shows, it's hard to, it's hard to narrow it down to which shows or even just which guests did you right. enjoy the most right. or topics. Um, but the, the last one that made my list of favorites was 284 with Dietra and Adam um, oh, and the, the Ashkenazi herbalism. Mm-hmm. And part of it was, I mean, I really, I enjoyed the book a lot. You know, as when you listen to the show, as you can tell, I, I was pretty enthusiastic about the book. But part of it was that there's this humble humility that they both have. They have an incredible amount of intellectual and practical experience, intellectual knowledge about these historical practices. So they're very, you know, librarian, university professor type, you know, very heady. Um, But there's also a humility and a respect for the plants themselves that oftentimes I don't always see in people who are super heady, you know, or super, you know, intellectual. They often will forget the respect part because they're so busy intellectualizing. And um, Dietra and Adam are, the, they are so loving of the plants and so caring for the plants and that the way they cherish them and respect and care for, you know, the history and all the intellectual aspects. Right. That was, I don't know, that just touched me, I guess you could say. But yeah, so. uh, yeah, you had some connections to that because of your family. Well, I mean, just because of my family's my, Poland, and yeah, Eastern Europe, and, yeah, the Eastern Europe aspect. You know, so I think that might be a little bit there for you. Yeah. So yeah, I, I had to have a list of six. Well, yeah, no I reason. said, "What's your top two? And then I made a top list of six. Well, yeah. you, you only had two slots. You know, there was there was quite a few guests that you know that we had that you know may have touched people in different ways. You know, yeah. Um, I remember we had the the one uh, mushroom propagator guy. Uh, I just I had his head I had his name Radical Mycology right no we had Peter him but we had the other gentleman that was really big he Jeff was, Chilton yeah he was the one yes. that got you know propagating all the different mushrooms yes yes he was fun you know just learning all yeah. this stuff because we were big into mushrooms you know so there's just been a lot of, of people over the years that we've been happy you know honors fortunate fortunate to speak with uh, in the herbal industry but uh, you know so What's next as we move forward, the next 300? Or what are you thinking? Well, I think it's time for an extended hiatus, to be honest. Yeah. I've, I've been thinking for quite a while about writing a book. Um, there's something I've been specifically ruminating on, as it were, for okay. last year or so, maybe longer. All right. And that would be uh, mystical herbalism, you know, and the approach to, you know, the myth and magic approach to herbs. 
So I've okay. been thinking about that. I don't know if I'll go as far as you know seeking a publisher or not, but I really feel this need to take the time to write it. And so I think it's it's time for a break. All right. Okay. I I think that you know it's 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 been a great ride, and I think mm-hmm. this might be the time to you know. You know, we we mentioned it on the last few episodes as far as, you know, you know, I didn't think turning 50 would be a big deal, <laughs> right. but it's been a bigger deal than I thought it would be. Yeah. And it's starting to, uh, making me reevaluate lots of things that I've been doing. Yeah. Um, and I think probably everyone goes to this at some point. 50, it was 50 for me. It might be 45 for someone else, maybe 60 for someone else. Right. You know, I don't know what that is, but um, for me, and I think for you too, hitting 50 just was like... You know, looking at what are the things working, what's not working? How do we move forward here? Do I like this? Do I don't like this? I've made it to 50. I don't have to like this anymore. You know, you, yeah. you, you make all these choices. So I, I think for for me and I think for you, I mean, just moving into, you know, where are we at? What are we doing? And how are things moving forward? That This seems like a perfect opportunity. You're hitting a milestone of 300 to say yeah. we need to take a break for a bit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I'm not going to make any promises. I'm not saying that we'll never record another real herbalism radio, but I am saying I need some time to focus in other areas, right. you know, focus on the writing and focus on the artwork that I've been working with and, you know, take a break. Yeah. And if you do, if you're one of our listeners or a new listener that has just come to the podcast, you know, so you know, if you started at 284, let's say, there's, 283 episodes that are available for you to listen on a herbal binge, if you want to call it. Yeah. And that spans quite a few time. It has all the people we've talked about. All the show notes are still online. Yeah. All that stuff is still there. You can listen to all of it. It's still in the channel. You can go, if you go into the podcast channel, anyone that, where you ever get your podcast, you can get a large array of herbalism podcasts from us for over the, the course of seven, eight years at this point. Everything from, as we mentioned, dental herbalism Mm -hmm. to raising chickens naturally to To mushroom propagation, to alchemy, to, you know, growing herbs in a a biodynamic farm, to kratom, to cannabis. Herbs and a variety of different approaches to spirituality and, you know, ritual to magical herbalism. To hallucinogenics. We've just covered a a wide swath. So even though we are taking this hiatus or making a small break or whatever it is because we're not having really defined it yet. Um, there's a lot of information you can still have. It's still yeah. going to be available. We're not pulling anything down. Everything no. will still be there. Yeah. The website will still be on and ongoing. That's that's the way you know, we, we had planned on doing that. I mean, it's such a body of work that I just don't feel like, you know, turning it, the, the switch off. I don't think right. That's we, get, we get a lot of people looking at the show notes as well as the rest of the Practical Herbalist website. Every day. Every day. Every day. So I'm not taking it down. I'm not. I'm going to make sure that we keep maintaining that because it's useful information. It is. The vast majority of what we've done and what we've written and what we've recorded has been about offering information that is truly timeless. You know, how you use elderberry now is the same as how you used it a hundred years ago. And in a hundred years more, you'll still be able to use it that way. Exactly. It's not. It's yeah. It's not. What do they, they call it? It's not. Um, it's not time specific. It's it's everlasting. It's the same yeah. information. Yeah. You know the the typical uses aren't going to really change much. Right. I mean, when we started the practical herbalist <clears throat> over a decade ago, 
one of our biggest drives was to make sure that good, solid, practical information about the plants was available to people because we were seeing at that time, we were seeing a lot of commercial information that wasn't always accurate. And we were seeing a lot of just plain inaccurate stuff mixed in with some things that were really quite good. And it was hard to tell the difference. And so we were like, well, people need something that's practical that they can count on, you know, stuff that's actually been tried. Everything that we've covered is we've tried it or our experts have tried it. Right. So, yeah. All right. So with that, put an herb herb on on it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.